head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe mma podcast right now to support the podcast and sign up for our premium content and now here's the podcast the pride of limerick the young man named sean sheehan the mma media don graham mcdonald the severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot. And I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Welcome, welcome everybody to episode 201 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by the Gina Joseph of Irish MMA Media, Graham McDonald, as we talk about a big week for MMA, UFC 235, went down at the weekend, Cage Warriors had a big card as well, there's more UFC coming next week, there's a bit of Cage Warriors as well, I believe, and some other Irish MMA news and, and stuff and Twitter beefs and stuff to bring up, so we'll, we'll get into all of that anyway. But Graham, before we start, how are things, how was your weekend, are you good? Yeah, it's a good weekend. I was at a wedding on Friday, so it was a bit fragile yesterday. But uh, besides that, it's it's been a it's been good good week since I last talked with you. Talked with you. Talk with me. <laughs> yeah, I was above in Dublin again for the Twenty One Pilots concert in the Tree Arena. There's something special about that Tree Arena. It's like I don't know. There's there's rooms in this world. I hear people talking about it a lot. That have, have like a special vibe. I'm like the amount of people who've like played in that Point Depot and. No, he's, there's something special about it, like that. That, like the, ba- <coughs> the Bamator, <laughs> the Bellator card, the last day was was pretty, you know, pretty epic. Filled out nine thousand. Obviously, the McGregor Brando card back in the day, and going to concerts there in the past as well. There's, it's just an, it's just a great place. And that Twenty One Pilots concert I was at at the weekend. And people know I'm a big fan of them. It was just, it was the best concert I've ever been at. It was pretty good. And I know everyone will come in now. Oh, Dublin again. Oh, he loves Dublin. Everything's great. Happens <laughs> <laughs> in Dublin. But yeah, I'll take it. It was pretty. It's good. true. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. People would be right in saying that. Yeah, I suppose they would have been. It's like it's unfortunate that that room just happens to be in Dublin. That's that's my big issue. For and like else. all the good stadiums in Ireland where you've had your best moments as well. Well, yeah, I've had a couple of other places as well, but yeah, well, the, the, the main one anyway, I suppose, was in Dublin. But sure, look, these things these things do happen in MMA and in other sports as well. But sure, we'll, uh, we'll hopefully uh, hopefully we'll be back again for another big day in Dublin. Now, not too not too far away, but uh, I don't know. It's uh, it's it's great to, to get up there anyway for good times. And usually when I'm a Limerick person going up to Dublin, it's gone up there for shitty times. We're losing matches and stuff, so it's good to get up there and get a few wins and get a few good events like like Bellator and like the the concerts the weekend. So it's a bit of a bit of crash. And speaking of good events, UFC two three five at the weekend was a pretty a, a pretty good event all the way through. Although maybe the the top two weren't the best fights in the world, but they were they were interesting. What, what's your take on the John Jones fight? A lot of people I see are kind of saying <clears throat> John Jones could have finished him. He went in there and he, he he tried for the first couple of rounds, but then he kind of he coasted and he knew it was easy and he didn't want to take any chances against Anthony Smith. Is that your take on it as well, or do you do you see it differently? Um, yeah, I can kind of see that as well. But it's kind of like the OSP fight. If, if John Jones doesn't just blow somebody out of the water and finish them stylishly, people are kind of disappointed because they expect so much from John Jones. I think if any other fighter was that dominant and shut down somebody that, that much in a title fight, people would be would be less uh, critical of, of him. Yeah. Look, I think a lot of people don't like Jones as well, and that plays into it. Yeah, they, they don't. Like... To me, this was a fight where John Jones, for the first two rounds, I think, you know, I'm watching all Jones fights before this, and obviously for years and years and years, John Jones is a very, very safe fighter. You know, he's a, and a safe is, 
to, to a lot of people it would probably sound like a bad word but to me it's it's a, it's a great word the, the aim of this game is to hit and not get it and Jones does that maybe better than anyone ever but this fight was a lot different you know he was he, he was trying to come out he was looking for that KO he was you know in the first round he was trading head kicks he got, he got a big kick from, from Anthony Smith he was leaving himself a little bit open and he was coming forward you know looking for that big left hand looking for the right hook uh, inside looking for the head kick and you know, it's it was a little bit of a different performance from John Jones, but I think like there was a stage in the fight, and Chael Sonnen always talks a bit about this a lot, where you know a kind of an agreement is made in the fight that I'll stop trying to win if if you stop trying to knock me out, and I I think that kind of kind of happened in the middle of the fight a little bit um you know as we kind of got into towards the second and third round, like in the start of the fight. I think Anthony Smith actually did very well hand fighting, you know, and and that's that's the key against John Jones. You have to f- fight that front hand. You have to stop him getting, uh, you know, a, a winning lint against you. You know, you have to stop him making it the eighty-two inch reach advantage and making that the difference in the fight. And Anthony Smith did that earlier. He was fighting that fighting that front hand. He was punching the front hand. We see that a lot with with other guys in, in lower weights and against John Jones. We don't we don't see it that often because he's just so good at it and it's a different proposition. But Smith was was doing well with that and he was coming in with a few shots over the top. But Jones, you know, he quickly kind of changed around that. Um it, he did that just by landing big shots, I think, by looking for that KO shot, by looking for the big shot, by looking for the big head kick, by looking for the big uh, leg kicks. And in the second round, he was kind of just playing with him a little bit more, throwing those oblique kicks as well, the front kicks. And we see a lot, you know, we uh, before the um, the Gustafson fight and after as well, you know, we talked about Jones. When guy, guys come in to fight Jones and they prepare for him, Anthony Smith said it, you know, there's loads of tape on him. And they prepare, prepare for that front hand. And, you know, lots of guys do okay or, or try to do do very well at the start of the fight. And they do very well at the start of the fight. But then Jones changes things up. And those oblique kicks, they're impossible to stop when you're trying to stop a jab at the same time. And, you know, for Anthony Smith, he got, he got you know, he got a couple of licks in. He bloodied Jones' eye in the second round. You know, he stopped the takedown in the third. There was, there was lots of clinches in that round. And, and a few knees as well. Not really much happened in that round. That was probably, apart from the first, maybe, maybe the closest. And then, uh, you know, towards the last couple of rounds, Smith was kind of just taken and he was backed against the fence and he kind of fell over and he was, you know, there was a bit of boxing on the floor. It looked like, like at, at that stage, I was thinking maybe they should pull him out. Maybe this is the time after this round. But then the, obviously the two points were docked for the for the illegal knee and, and the third in was just kind of pushed against the fence. What did you think? Yeah. The, yeah go on. The illegal knee, it was uh, like he... Some guys would have taken the chance to kind of take the DQ there when in a fight they were pretty much definitely going to lose at that stage. It, it wasn't looking good, but he, in fairness to him, like he he said he was okay straight away when he was sitting on the ground afterwards, and he continued on and it, it, he didn't want to like he could have easily. We've seen guys in the past like take less, like a less big shot than that, and try to look for a way out so fair play to him there but yeah Jones he's just too accurate for him and he, he couldn't he couldn't get it going in, in the or uh, Jones could get it going but Anthony Smith couldn't get it going in the in the positions that he usually gets it going like in the clinch and stuff like that Jones is just dominant and just dominant everywhere really yeah like it, we said it before but it was really the worst possible matchup when you're a, a kind of a, a knockout artist a guy who who comes forward and throws lots of shots there's there's nobody worse to be fighting in John Jones. And like the I, I was watching it like you I wasn't getting frustrated, but like <laughs> watching it with people, they're getting frustrated as the fight goes into the, the fourth and fifth. It's one of those fights where you're watching it and you don't really fully understand what's going on. You're kinda of looking at it and saying 
just fucking hit him. Just why can't you just draw one two and hit him? But when you're fighting John Jones, and you know we talked about it last week with the, that Peter Yan John, John Dodson fight. You know it's a fight where he takes you out of your game, and then you can do fucking nothing because he's just got into your head that if you do one thing, he's gonna do the opposite thing to stop you doing that thing, and that's exactly what John Jones did. You know. As I said, Anthony Smith doing well with the jab in the start, but then Jones changed things up, throwing those oblique kicks, leg kicks, head kicks, you know, winning jab when he needed a throw to the body as well. And Smith, he was just bamboozled by it, and he couldn't do anything. And then, you know, the last two, two rounds, we kind of saw him, saw him standing there. And it wasn't just that he was standing there. You know, Jones said it afterwards. I think Conor McGregor tweeted about it as well, that he's, a, you know, the heart of a line. He stood in there and, and just took it from Jones over and over and over. Now, there was no... I don't think there was any part or any stage during the fight where I thought okay this could be stopped I did think at the end of the fourth just before the knee that they should probably pull him after the fourth round he's corner because you know four rounds down probably a 10-8 in one of them and there's there's no way he's getting back in and winning this fight but like it's it's a weird situation like I think it happened with kind of Glover Teixeira as well where Jones kind of just beats him and beats him and beats him and in the kind of go defensive and it's not that they go offensive it's just that they lose their offense because any offense they throw is immediately countered by john jones so like their best option is just to not throw any offense try to defend his offense which is it sounds like someone who's coming out very defensive but it's actually not it's just that their offense was taken away by their opponent and that's that's the skill of john jones that's just how good he is and you know it was another it was another awesome display for john jones you can criticize him maybe a little bit for maybe he could have upped it in the last two rounds and especially the last round i think he did it in the second last round but in the last round he didn't really do much he just kind of just pushed anthony fins against well, anthony smith against fins i think i got the start of the the last round he kind of came out doing a bit more putting a bit more pressure on but he didn't really need to like if he i think if he hadn't needed to if if those two points had of had have been okay this right this this final round is the deciding round i think jones would have done more but he, i think he knew he didn't need to yeah, and like on that illegal illegal knee as well, I I I I agree with that as well. like the illegal knee. It was weird because you know looking at that, if we you didn't see the fights last night and you just saw a gif of the illegal knee today, you'd say, oh, that's not an illegal knee. You know, he's one hand down, his two knees are up. By the new rule, that's not an illegal knee, mm. and that's the unfortunate the thing old, about that is well, it's modified. <laughs> yeah, they had a hybrid version of the rules where they had all the new rules except for the knee and it's weird that we haven't seen one of these illegal knees uh inverted commas in a long time and now we, now, now we get one here where it's the rule so nevada had and, and we'll talk about this afterwards as well <laughs> for the next fight or one of the fights down down the the line they had uh instant replay in use at any time during the fight and herb dean used it it was herb dean wasn't it? yeah he used it in this fight to, to show the yeah. um to see the illegal knee again and to, to take away those two points and i think taking away two points is good as well when you know you're we're looking at it and thinking this could be a dq you know this fight could be over right here and right now and anthony smith fair play to him didn't take i probably in that position no and i had the fight last i probably would have tried to take the dq i would have been fucking flopping around like uh like uh roberto Firmino or something on the ground there looking for uh <laughs> Like Johnny Walker. Walker. But uh, yeah, look, fair play. But yeah, look, in the rules that they were using on Saturday, that knee was definitely illegal. And it it wasn't a fight-altering blow, but it was definitely a a round-altering, a situational-altering blow in in that uh, case. And I think two points was right. So Herb Dean, you know, credit to him for that. Looking at the instant replay, in in that position, he did it well. And, and you know, the judges got it right as well in the Yeah, end. he refed it well. Uh, yeah. Big contrast to the, the co-main event refereeing anyway. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the, 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 the third main event refereeing as well. We'll get to that in a second. What, like, 
I was I, I was talking. I think it was on this podcast. I was on I was on submission radio during the week, and I was saying like the the most uh, exciting thing about this find would probably be John Jones's call out afterwards. But that never came either. Did you find that a bit odd? Um, no, no, I wasn't really thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> Jones is in such an odd position though like because he okay there's there's contenders coming up like you know you mentioned Johnny Walker there who we'll talk about later on and there's Thiago Santos and a few more guys but like there isn't really anyone stand out there really is there all the standout ones are okay mm. maybe Daniel Cormier maybe Brock Lesnar like why is he not calling out one of their names I find it very odd does John Jones just want to stay and be the 205 pound champion forever like for me John Jones is a guy who has who has gone above that. Like John Jones is a, is a super fight fighter now. He's a guy who needs to you know tr- transcend divisions if, if that makes sense. You know, and a lot of guys do that because you know they have a big name or they just you know like like Henry Cejudo they want to take the big fight and the UFC wanting to, to take it as well. But John Jones is a, is an odd one, isn't he? Maybe maybe he's thinking the opposite of me. Maybe John Jones is thinking here I want to get back in. I want to get five, six, seven. Uh, defenses of my title here and I just want to reign over the light heavyweight division but do you, do you think that's a bit odd like in, in this era John Jones is not calling out the likes of Brock Lesnar and Daniel Cormier heavyweight um, no I'm kind of over the years I'm used to guys not moving weights it's kind of happened a bit more recently since Connor did it. a few more have been doing it and obviously there's been a couple of double champs since but uh, over the history of the time I've been watching the UFC it's pretty rare like you when guys have moved up in the past, like Anderson Silva, it's been against kind of lower ranked or unranked guys in the division. But I think, I think if Jones is to fight at heavyweight, it won't be like that. I think he he'd probably want him a big fight there, like maybe the the Cormier fight, or if Cormier wasn't the champion in in another fight, maybe whoever the champion is. But uh, there's no, as you said, there's no one really there from a light, a light heavyweight that's going to get people excited. So it kind of does make sense to either fight Cormier again at light light heavyweight, or fight him at, at heavyweight, or move up to heavyweight and fight. He could fight Overeem again. He could fight. He could fight a lot of people at at a heavyweight, and it would be interesting, and people would be interested in it, the casuals. I think as well. Yeah, like I really think <laughs> I I look. This DC fight is not really a fight I want to see again that much. But if it does happen, really, yeah. it has to happen at heavyweight. Like he beat him twice. Okay, the second time he was. It was a no contest because of the drugs and everything like that. But I look, I really, really think that John, John Jones, like, you're looking at John Jones right now and you're thinking, okay, who's he going to fight next? Is he going to fight Johnny Walker, Thiago Santos, or is he going to fight, fight Brock Lesnar or Daniel Cormier or something like that? Like, it'd just be a kind of a letdown. John Jones is, you know, John Jones is a guy who talks about legacy and talks about, you know, being the best of, of all time. And we talk about him in, in the same vein, lots of people do. And, you know, you can talk about the drugs and whatever you've done that loads of times. But it feels odd that he'd settle for Thiago Santos. Like, you can understand this fight against Anthony Smith because, you know, Daniel Cormier is out injured, Brock Lesnar's in WrestleMania in a couple of weeks here and stuff. And it's, it just kind of made sense a little bit even though you know because he wanted to stay more active and everything like that but like international fight week is coming up now it'll probably be the next time he fights and it just seems like if that's going to be Thiago Santos or if or you know if it is Thiago Santos probably won't be international fight week and it just seems it just seems yeah. like an odd thing to happen like well, if you look at if you look at the rankings Thiago Santos is just behind uh, Anthony Smith who he just beat and then Cormier and Gustafsson so maybe he's thinking about it like that and he's thinking I mean, this is a very winnable, easy, easy fight in his mind, and it's against a number four ranked guy, probably going to be number three after 
well, maybe three after Smith's loss, or you probably be three or four on Monday anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jones is probably thinking there's another payday and a good style matchup for me. Yeah, he probably is. Yeah, so look, it's kind of a throwback, and it's it's unusual to see that in 2019. But look, I won't fall in too much for it. Just, just seems a little bit odd, especially when there's the the big money fights and and the big name fights are at heavyweight. But sure, we'll we'll see how things play out anyway. Um, then the co-main event was kind of the exact opposite. You know, <laughs> we we talked last week, and I think we both expected Tyron Woodley to win it. Maybe not pretty easily. We expected it to be kind of drawn yeah, out a little I bit. I was so wrong about this. I was like, oh, I don't like. He's not going to be able to go out and put the pace on, take him down repeatedly, and just grind him out like he does everybody. And he's not going to be able to do that to Tyron Woodley. And then that's exactly what he did. Yeah. <laughs> so I was completely wrong. I don't know what I'm talking about. Do you think like it was more a Okay, the the answer is probably both, but it, it was it more a great performance by Usman or a terrible performance by Woodley? Um, I think it was a great performance by Usman first, but I think yeah, Woodley was too lackadaisical. I think about the whole thing, even especially when he was losing. Like it's fair enough sticking to your game plan and doing what you want to do when you're when you're winning the rounds or when the rounds are are one each or you know close where you can kind of turn it on at some stage. But he was kind of looking for the big guillotine finish or a yeah. big shot and he he just didn't really do much else it's, just it backed was, up against the cage and then yeah. that was kind of where Osman wanted him to take him down it was so odd like he fought as if he was fighting Wonderboy Thompson like he was backing against the cage like he, the way he backed against the cage was as if Usman wasn't going to take him down as if he thought Usman was just going to box with him and I was like that's so odd. Like Us- yeah. Usman is a great wrestler, like that. When he put the and like the thing about it as well, it, it, is it wasn't that Usman was, it, it wasn't that he was backing him against the cage. And it, okay, he was backing him against the cage, but there was ways. He, he out. was letting him. Yeah, he was letting him back him. Woodley was letting him back him up against mm-hmm. the cage because maybe he's been comfortable there in his last few fights. And we talked about I talked before the fight about how good he is at game plans, but this game plan was was definitely not good yeah. at all. Like U- Usman. What Usman did the best in this fight was Tyron Woodley is great at letting you back him against the cage and not letting you close that last meter of distance. Like, he is exceptional at that. We saw him doing that against Wonderboy Thompson. We see him doing that against Damian Maia. In all his fights, no, almost he does it. But Usman, that, that's why he won the fight, because he, he broke that last meter of space. And he did it really easily. He did, he did it by throwing one shot and getting inside. That's all he did. He threw a big long jab up through the middle most of the time, pulls down inside, gets behind Woodley's back or behind his his hips or whatever, and tries to get the takedown and pushes him against the fence. That was that was basically it. It was you know it was a pretty simple, it was a pretty simple game plan for him. You know he put the pressure, but like Woodley, I, I've I've said he's the best game planner in MMA before, and he was before this fight. He was a, a fantastic game planner, and like this is a fight where Tyron Woodley can throw a jab right up the middle and throw a big right hand behind it and throw three or four shots in a row and not be in that much danger. Like, Usman is not a big counter-striker, not really the big knockout artist that he's used to fighting. Like, this is not like you're fighting Wonderboy, and if you throw three or four big shots down the middle, he's going to counter you, you know, with a kick or a knee up the middle or, or big shots in behind, or he's just going to run away from you and you're not going to yeah, be able to hit did, him. He did show that he does have some good hands, though, when he... When he needs to, like better than maybe we, we thought in the past, because he did hit Woodley with some with some good punches uh, towards the end of one of the rounds. I can't remember which round it was now, but like he's not he's not terrible on the feet, but he's definitely nowhere near the level of a Wonder Boy as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. But like I, I suppose the fight, if we kind of just run through it a little bit, uh, the first round, Usman did that jab and got inside, uh, as you mentioned there, Tyron Woodley pulled pulled the guillotine. 
Um, there was, as I said, those jams, jabs with no combos and, you know, one-shotting in, and, and that was basically it. And the, the second, it was kind of the same. And then he hurt Woodley with a big elbow, and then he did a big slam, and that could have been a 10-8 round there. And the third, there was lots of, of clinching. Usman was absolutely smashing Woodley to the body. He must have hit him with 20 unanswered blows to the body. It was, it was, it was absolutely huge, and Woodley did absolutely nothing in that third. And the fourth, Woodley pulled the guillotine again. He was almost finished with strikes. That was around you were, you were thinking of there, and that was... That was a, a 10-8 round again and the fight yeah. was the fight was stood up you know it was, I think it was Mark Goddard in this which yeah it was Goddard yeah, yeah. he stood it up a good few times uh, prematurely and was saying to Usman oh it's a fight this is a fight and he was, he was hitting him with loads of body shots he was dominant on top he was wrestling uh, he was grappling uh, effectively I don't know what Goddard was doing in, in that fight it was a like we, you've talked before about how Goddard's one of your favourite refs or your mm. favourite ref but this was a really bad uh refereeing performance from, from him and it's unlike him to do this because he's he's refed a lot of fights that have had similar positions and he hasn't done this uh hasn't done quick stand-ups or worn guys straight away like uh like he did with uh usman so it's very strange I, i'm not sure what that was about it feels to me like it was a directive from the state letter commission they told him like if there's any any breaks here to get him up send him up immediately if mm. like because it was so unusual because what we know you know you can criticize mark Otter for other things if you want but usually in that position he's the best like he, he never stands guys up he you know he's a i think he's a jiu-jitsu black belt he knows what's going on in you know and dominic cruz he doesn't understand wrestling he I, must not know wrestling dominic cruz yeah, yeah. yeah it's like it just okay if it was someone else i could understand that but mark goddard we've you know we've watched probably hundreds of thousands of fights now at this stage with mark goddard and he just that's not a thing he does but maybe you know he lost the head a little bit or, or you know made a couple of mistakes or something maybe that, that's that but it feels like something was off yeah definitely but look either way you know usman won the fight anyway and in the fifth as well he, he laid on top of him and, you know, it was it was a brilliant performance by Usman. He came out afterwards that uh, he fractured his foot before the fight as well, so that makes it look even better. And like the weird thing about Usman is, and the one miscalculation I think most people and me a hundred percent made coming into this fight was that the wrestling was even. It was it wasn't at all. You know, Usman was a much better wrestler than than yeah, Woodley. Yeah, I was the same. Yeah. yeah, I was the same. I thought he might be a little bit better, but I thought Woodley's good at avoiding takedowns and good at getting back up. But he but he wasn't at all. Usman just dominated him in the the wrestling department. From from the start till the finish. Yeah, it was like it was unbelievable. It makes you kind of look forward. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. But the Colby Covington fight, because Colby's a similar sort of hard nosed wrestler, so that that should be very fun. But like Usman produced a display. Like I, I talked a lot during the week about um, Chris Weidman, and I thought he was in a similar position to Chris Weidman when he beat Anderson Silva. But I I thought it wouldn't happen the same way, and it actually happened. In a lot of ways, more impressively, you know, okay, Anderson or uh, Chris Weidman got the big knockout and everything like that, but it was the the fact that he won almost every second of the fight of a five-round fight against a master game planner like Tyron Woodley, who has been absolutely excellent for years. That is so impressive. That is unbelievable. Like Usman, Usman is the guy we taught. He was for ages. You know, back in 2017, I did my article, who will be the next champion in each weight, and I said Cameron Usman. And I said this week I didn't think he was there yet because I didn't think that all the improvements have been made. And I still don't think all the improvements have been yeah. made. But he, he's so good that he can improve while he's champion. He's one of those guys, isn't he? It's yeah. just... I think me and you talked about him uh, probably nearly a year ago now or more where we were saying that he has all the tools to be the champion and he's such a such a hard uh, matchup for a lot of people. But then it looked like in this matchup that this was a bad style matchup for him and that maybe yeah. it was too early for him, but it, it definitely wasn't. It was, 
he proved he proved me and you completely wrong <laughs> in this fight. Um, I just I, yeah, I just I didn't think he'd be able to to do what he did to to Woodley so impressively and. Uh, there was at least one or if not more 10 eights in there and just complete domination of the grappling and then of the of the striking as well as the fight went on he 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 took over over that and i think woodley landed one kind of clipping right hand mm-hmm. that that was a big enough shot he landed a couple other shots but nothing nothing big um but Usman didn't didn't really have much adversity to come through and i thought if he was going to win this fight he'd definitely have to come through some kind of uh, really tough fight i didn't definitely didn't think to be the debate would be oh, which rounds are 10-8s, not which rounds went to Woodley, you know. Yeah. It, it was really dominant and really, really impressive. Yeah, 100%. And I was really, really wrong. Yeah, so was <laughs> I. I was as well. Yeah, but you know, I'm, unbelievable stuff from, from Usman. But it, it, there was definitely something off with Woodley. I'd, I'd love to know what happened, whether he came in with an injury or whether it was the weight cut or whether he just, I don't know. He Sometimes you can get, get broken as well. And it seemed like if he did get broken, he was broken very, very early because this fight was... You know, this fight looked like a five-round demolition from very, very early on. You know, that the way he pulled that guillotine was... was uh, it did seem inevitable. Strange. Once he didn't get that, that guillotine and he kind of put his shoulders flat on the on the mat, you're kind of like, oh, Jesus, he's kind of out of ideas here. And he's not... Early on, like, obviously anything can happen and every round starts on the, on the feet and he could have landed some kind of big punch, but it just seemed very unlikely as you were watching the fight that that was going to happen. Mm-hmm, yeah, and I suppose kind of moving forward in, in, in the welterweight division, before we get to, to Usman Covington, do you think there's any case for Tyron Woodley getting a rematch because he was just he was such a dominant champion for a while or was that five-round demolition too much to, to get a rematch? Um, I don't think many people are going to be looking for an immediate rematch or it's going to sell well or anything like that. So I don't see the UFC or Endeavor clamoring to do that. I, I think I think the, the Covington fight isn't, isn't exactly one that people will be clamoring for either, but I think Covington might be able to promote it a bit better, uh, say some outrageous things, get people rolled up. Um, so I think that's probably what will happen next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and but it is like if they do make the rematch, like it is like okay, you've been champion for for a good while now, and I I I I'd watch it again, like but I don't, I wouldn't be excited about watching it again. Yeah, I don't think the UFC were ever the biggest fans of Tyron Woodley anyway, and I don't think they'll be having a rematch too easily there but look I, I suppose we'll see what happens you know like John Jones almost losing the fight by a f- <laughs> by a fourth round disqualification Matt Hamill's <laughs> Matt Hamill style back in the day I suppose the welterweight division well, the Matt Hamill one was worse it was, it was, worse. It was, it was just yeah, it was ridiculous the welterweight division could be going back to kind of a, maybe a GSP style like that uh, wrestling kind of heavy GSP style here coming up and we saw it at the weekend but like Covington versus Usman to like 99% of fans is probably going to be a fucking boring fight it's probably going to be one that everyone boos from like round two on but it's going to be a raw fucking five round battle isn't it like Covington okay because he's a you know a dickhead and and, and people hate him and all and you know it, it's not me slagging him calling him a dickhead he tries to be a dickhead so me calling him a dickhead is actually like uh, uh him, 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 exactly dick. exactly Inside the cage, he's a very good fighter, you know, and he's a tough, hard-nosed wrestler, just like Hammer Usman is. Who'd you, who would you like? Okay, it's maybe a bit far out. We need to watch a bit more tape and stuff like that. But who would you favor in that fighter? Just think it's going to be a five-round fucking wrestle fest. I favor Usman in the in this fight. I think his wrestling is is even better than I thought it was, and I already thought it was really good. And obviously, Covington's is good, but I just think Usman Usman's relentlessness and pressure and 
his striking is, is a little bit better than I thought as well. And I just think he's more well rounded than Covington and he has the gas to put a relentless pace for five rounds as he showed as he showed there against Woodley. So uh yeah, I think I think I'd pick Usman in that fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I probably would as well, but sure, we'll we'll probably have to we'll probably have to wait and see on that one. Right to the next big welterweight fight in this, and I thought you know this may, might have produced uh, if Usman had won and you know as Ben Askren won was he saw on the end of this, I thought that was probably the, the logical fight to make this, but it it doesn't seem that way after mm-hmm. Ben maybe Askren, because he didn't really win. <clears throat> yeah, I I maybe don't have the same opinion as everyone else in this. What's what's your take on the? The whole finish of this fight. Um, I think Woodley's hand, or not Woodley's hand, but uh, uh, Robbie Lawler's hand, when a, or arm and a flop down from the back of the head to the ground, did look a bit, yeah, a bit loose. But I think you got to make sure you got to lift the arm and make hundred percent sure before you do that. And you, his eyes seemed very clear when he when he popped out of it, and he he seemed to be okay. And I I think I think I don't think he was out. I think it was just. Uh, it was unfortunate. He should have. He shouldn't have let his hand go, to, his arm go down like that. But it wasn't completely lifeless. It just seemed a bit, a bit like careless in that situation. Because uh, okay, the ref or Ben Askren was saying the ref was saying to him, "Are you okay?" And he didn't reply. But he is getting his face crushed with a with a bulldog choke. So it, it, maybe it's hard to to reply in that moment when you're trying to fight it as well. I, like I think this is a. I wouldn't call it a bad stoppage, but I just think really? it's I think it's unfortunate stoppage more than anything else because <clears throat> when I'll be honest now, and I I don't think a lot of people are going to be honest with this finish and what happened, right? When that hand went limp, I was roaring at the television. He's out. He's out. He's gone. He's out. Because the hand did go limp. There's no doubt about that. But what happened? See, after I was that, thinking. Mm-hmm. I was thinking because I was thinking the choke wasn't in properly. Yeah, so and was, I. was I. Like, and then I was like, "Oh, maybe the choke is in." That's yeah, what exactly. I thought when the when the hand went like that. But I didn't think, "Oh, he's he's out cold." I, I wasn't thinking that. But when the hand goes limp, what else? What else is happening there? Like, it didn't go fully limp though. It wasn't just like boom, just hit the ground. It was like it I seemed like, "Oh, he's he's getting a bit wheezy here, maybe." Yeah, I don't know. I I thought it did like, and even if even if that is true, you could easily have mistaken for that. But this is the the mistake Herb Dean made, right? If he had just seen the hand go limp and then he'd pulled away the choke and stopped Ben Askren, stop, 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 that would have been grand. I think most people would have understood that. But the mistake he made was, and the reason he it was probably a bad stoppage, is because he moved uh, Robbie Lawler's hand. And why are you moving the hand? You're moving the hand to see if it's limp or to see if he's still awake. He moved the hand and then Robbie Lawler put the thumb up immediately. He immediately moved his hand. And then he stopped the fight. Like, that's the mistake he made there. Because if you move the hand yeah. and the hand it was moves... Like he's already made the decision to stop it and yeah. he's just going through the process of touching the arm and you need to make 100% sure mm-hmm. before you... Especially, like, you know, uh, in one of these these chokes that is, you're not sure if it's on or not. Like, it's not like a sunken rear naked choke where you know it's on. Yeah. Like, to me, that was... if it, If he hadn't touched the hand and he had stopped it immediately as the arm went limp... Nobody would have been arguing here because it's a totally different situation. And, you know, uh, Lawler would have popped up, back up and everything. And uh, look, we would, we would have looked at that in a, in a different sort of light. But when he moved that hand and the hand moved and he put up the thumb immediately, you you know, you can't stop the fight in, the, in that situation. I feel sorry for Herb because that hand did go limp and it looked like he was out, even though it didn't look like the choke was in. And we're, we're in the, definitely 100% on the same page. But it's it's a tough fucking situation, and refereeing is a tough job. You know, we see some terrible stoppages and at times. And Herb has I've criticized Herb probably more than anyone in the world because he's made a lot of bad stoppages, and he's not the ref he used to be anymore. I don't think. But in this situation, 
you have to feel a bit sorry for him. Like it's a, it's a tough one, and you know I picked Robbie Lawler coming in here, so I'm not, you know, I, I'm not uh, biased to, uh, against Ben Askren or anything. Um, so like or far against uh, Robbie Lawler or anything. So you know it, it's definitely a different situation. But on the fight itself, it was it was. <laughs> I don't think anyone imagined Ben Askren coming into the to the UFC and being uh, part of a kind of a trifecta of, of really good fights, and he being the most exciting fight. It was a it was a pretty good like. He came straight out, as, as we all thought, tried to wrestle Robbie Lawler, and then Robbie Lawler caught, caught him in a fucking fireman, Scary, yeah. hit him with a brain buster, head. you know, John Cena, A-style, he's, he's idle, and then it was just all hell broke loose from there. I thought he was going to finish Askren, I thought Herb Dean was going to come in and stop it, but credit to Herb, he let it go. Mm. But big balls by Askren to keep going. Yeah, he took he, some big shots, mm-hmm. Askren, when he was kind of on his face on the mat, he was eating some big shots, and Lawler was, he kind of, Lawler puts on that face when he's throwing hard, and you know, he, he smelled blood there, he thought he was going to get the finish, and um, Askren toughed it out, in fairness, and uh, when the ref moved close, Askren kind of kept moving, every time the ref came close, or said anything, Askren moved, and tried to improve his position, and you, you got to say, he showed a lot of toughness, because Lawler does hit very hard, and that was a big slam on his head, as well, and, uh, he recovered really well to to even kind of push uh, Lawler up against the cage and obviously get get the choke, uh, the bulldog choke. Even if you know it's not Askren's fault that there was controversy in the finish, he was just going for the choke the best he could. Mm-hmm. And uh, as he kind of said afterwards, "I'm not the ref. I don't make these decisions." So uh, maybe people who don't like Askren will be will kind of be like, "Ah, it's bullshit," but it's definitely not his fault. Yeah, hundred percent. Do you think you know? Dan White said afterwards he wants to do the rematch. Robbie Lawler said he wants to do the rematch. Been asking, I suppose you can't blame him. Said he he doesn't want to do the rematch. What, what do you think they should do? do you, like, yeah, I think it yeah. makes sense to to make a rematch because uh, it was dominant from Woodley or from uh, we keep calling him Woodley from Lawler uh, at the start of the fight until basically the the choke or the, the few seconds before the choke and the, the bulldog choke. So. And then the controversy with the finish as well. So I think it does make sense to make it again. And neither guy, neither guy is like you know uh, being held away from this massive order fight that it's going to sell millions of pay per views. So I think mm-hmm. this makes sense now. Yeah, I didn't think the fight made sense coming in, but I think oddly, I think the rematch kind of does make sense because when you have that start to finish. And, you know, when Usman is, is going to fight Covington now, it looks like, and when he's injured as well, so that's probably going to be another couple of months before he can even get booked in that fight. Probably makes sense to make this fight, you know, over again. I, I, like, Askren, obviously, he got, he got rocked there, but I don't think it's... I don't think it's thing that's going to keep him out too long. I think these guys can get back in there in a couple of months' time and, and have a fight again. Obviously, Robbie Lawler didn't get any injuries or anything like that, even if he was choked out. So I think you can make that pretty quickly again, and, and let's do it. You know, it was a fun fight, so let's do it again. Let's let's see how, how it goes. Um, other you know other fights in, on the car. Weili Zhang put on a good display again against Tisha Torres, who was Yeah, really no, good performance. No, yeah. easy. She's so fast, isn't she, in her kicks and, and everything. She's a really talented uh, strawweight that's kind of badly needed in this division here, isn't she? Yeah, she is, and Tisha Torres is usually a handful for anybody, but yeah. she made it look easier than nearly anybody has recently against against Torres, and she even seemed kind of disappointed with her own performance afterwards, which is, I think, always a good sign. Uh, even when you beat somebody somebody good, that you, you're kind of looking at what you did wrong, and it's a sign that she probably will go back and improve again. So, uh, yeah, she's definitely one to look out for. Her record is very good as well. So, okay, uh, 19 and 1, Sometimes you see a record like that, and you look at the people on the on the record, and there's nobody there. But she dominated Tisha Torres, so she's definitely legit. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. And in the opener, then the 
the mm. Amir Khan of, of MMA, Cody Garbrandt. <laughs> God, Jesus. He's such a he's such a. Why does he keep fighter. doing that? Just biting know. down and throwing. It's yeah. like, oh, will you please learn from your mistakes? Yeah. And he did, though, because that's the most frustrating thing. He was good in the start of this. He was moving his head very good defensively. He was landing his offense, using his jab, using his lint. And then I don't even know what happened. <laughs> he just kind of got dragged into the fight. He's like, oh, I'm going to finish him. I'm going to finish him. I'm going to finish Oh, I got knocked out. <laughs> it just, it yeah. happens in every fight for Cody Garbrandt. It's, God. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous now at this age. Like, he's just, in the slow motion, He's you can see, he, if you look at the slow motion of a couple of his, the fights that he's been finished in, he's doing the same thing. He's just yeah. trying to trade punches and he's just, He's just getting beaten to the punch, and uh, there's no need for him to do that because he's a very technical striker, and uh, he, he was he was doing well in the fight, and mm. there, there's just no need to do it, and he just keeps doing it. So maybe it's a it's a fatal flaw that he gets roiled up too much. I think it is. See, I thought I thought before the Dominic Cruz fight that he'd probably be roiled up and maybe mm-hmm. do that, but Dominic Cruz doesn't really have the power to put him away. But he he was very even 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 though he knew Dominic Cruz doesn't really have the power, he's not really finishing people with punches. He didn't do that against against. Dominic Cruz, so you kind of think, oh, maybe, maybe he is an elite fighter when he went out and beat Dominic Cruz. But then when you see him do stupid mistakes like this repeatedly, you think if you don't fix that, you'll you'll never get back to the top. It, like it's the most curious case I think I've ever seen in MMA of a guy being like so cool and calm against like the best technical fighter in the world and he's staying perfectly technical for the whole fight, not getting drawn in at yeah, all. Twenty five minutes. <laughs> And then, like, it's like going out there and playing against fucking Barcelona and passing them off the field and winning 4-0. And then you come and you play fucking Derby County and then they pass you off the field and beat you 4-0. It's like, it makes no sense. Like, how can, how can this happen? It's it's just such an odd case of Cody Garbrandt. And it's, it's everyone knows now, you just drag him into a fight and he's... His chin isn't great. Let, let's be honest here. His chin isn't great. He can't take it. He can't take the rigors of a war like that. Like most other lads can. And when you have that flaw, you have to fucking protect that fucking flaw. And that everyone knows he has it now. And it makes it a little bit harder to protect it. And it makes guys going out there and throwing balls to the wall, bombs at him, even more of a viable way of winning. Which, for a lot of guys, isn't... You know, look at Anthony Smith. If he went out and did that against John Jones, there's no way he's winning. But Cody Garbrandt is, is a world champion. He beat Dominic Cruz technically over five rounds. Yet, people can do that to him. So that's... It's a, it's an odd, odd case. And look, I think I still have hope for Cody Garbrandt. He's taken lots of damage now. He's taken, what, three big, big knockouts now early as well. So, but he's, he still has that ability if he can just get his game planning. Like, I'd love to see Cody Garbrandt move to Firas Sahabi or someone like that someone who can you know mold him into the great fighter that he can be uh, and I, I really think he needs I'm, I'm not sure who the head coach at Alpha Male is these days but it doesn't seem like you know it doesn't seem like he's making the necessary adjustments to, to be that great fighter he can be again but sure look we, we'll see what happens down the road I suppose um other, before we get to, to some of the bigger names on the undercard, uh, Edmund Shabazian, uh, Ronda Rousey, uh, managed fighter, did a, a great Travis Brown elbows, you know, Ronda's man doing Ronda's man's, <laughs> man's elbows, or the McGregor elbows, as we like to call him, against Charles Board. Really, really good finish there. Macy Chison got a good finish over Gina uh, Mazzani as well. Hannah Cyphers uh, beat Pollyanna Viana. Um, with Cody Staman getting a unanimous decision win against uh, Alexandro Perez. And then we the other three fights, which I'll, I suppose we touch on a little bit. Diego Sanchez first. Diego Sanchez versus Mickey Gall. You know, Diego is my favorite fighter of all time. 
And I love seeing him. He's like Diego Sanchez and Jose Aldo are maybe the two lads in the world I enjoy most in getting wins. And usually I'm sitting back watching the fights and whoever wins, wins. But it's great to see a lad like Diego Sanchez who's who's gone out there and put fucking balls to the wall, insane fights. It's good to go out and see him at this stage of his career beating young whippersnappers like Mickey Gall, taking him down. You know, beating him up on top. Mickey Gall got Screaming very Screaming as he lands punches. <laughs> yeah, he's just a legend, isn't he? Being a madman that he is, Diego Sanchez. Yeah, what a legend. And You know, it's at <laughs> welterweight as well. He looks so small at that way, but I, I'm sure they'll, they'll give him someone to make that BJ pin fight again. Let's, let's make that happen. Um, Johnny Walker in against uh, Misha Serkinov. Like, Johnny Walker is special, isn't he? He is... That he was is. beautiful, beautiful knee there. Like uh, we were kind of saying before the the fight about his about uh, he had a quick turnaround, or he can have a quick turnaround because he only had a few seconds of a f- uh, fight in his last one. Uh, but this one, he celebrated uh, so strangely that he seemed to have yeah. injured his shoulder. He dislocated his shoulder. Yeah. But yeah, but he like you know his last fight was like what was it a, a hook kick, spinning back fist. Yeah. Yeah, it was like uh, and, and, well, like twenty seconds, and then mm-hmm. this one is like thirty seconds or forty seconds, flying knee and punches. So he's very impressive. As long as he can avoid injuring himself in fights uh, or after fights, then he can climb quickly. I don't know how long he'd be out for you. Uh, Rogan asked him had he dislocated his shoulder. I don't know if maybe he lost some translation. He said yeah, but maybe he just hurt his shoulder. It didn't look to dislocate or too bad anyway, but. Uh, yeah, it's uh, when you're the biggest danger to yourself in the fight. I think you need to step up. <laughs> yeah, the hundred percent. And you know, Misha Sharkinov definitely was a step up. And yeah, uh, oh, we were know. saying before, you know, you don't want to push him. This is the perfect fight. We really get to answer some questions here. Mm-hmm. We didn't get to answer that many questions, but we got to show that he definitely is offensively really dangerous with, with his striking and his timing seems really good, but still questions there because we didn't really get to see that much of him again mm-hmm. yeah and i think he really he needs a big big step up here whether it's you know augustuson or a jimmy manoa or you know maybe Thiago santos if jones has gone up or something like that i, I really think he's he's ready for that and you know in this fight as well i have to mention like he didn't just throw that big flying knee and landed he set it up really well he you know he threw a left hook didn't fake with the right and then he got him thinking like he threw the left hook again faked with the right and then he's thinking okay uh, this left hook and right hand is coming and he threw the left hook, and then he looked like he was going to come with the right, and Sarkinov was standing there preparing for the right, and then right up through the middle came the big flying knee and knocked him out. It was brilliantly set up, absolutely exceptional. This is not, you know, most flying knees we see is a lad going insane and throwing a big flying knee and knocking the lad out, but this wasn't really, really well set up, and Johnny Walker is a force. You know, he's a lot of quick knockouts and everything like that, but if you can't get excited by this lad, you'll get excited by no one, and, you know, he's going to climb the ranks again. I suppose the same could be said for... Yeah, Sevi's. another big prospect on the card. Like, this, it's good. Mm. so these cards are good just for the, the prospects to answer questions. Okay, I mentioned that we didn't really get that many questions answered about uh, Johnny Walker, but we definitely got questions answered about uh Zabit. yeah what you what you think about Zabit in this fight were you all ultra impressed or were you kind of thinking maybe he should have done a bit more against jeremy stevens no i think he was very impressive because jeremy stevens is dangerous always as well like and mm-hmm. you can't just go like not everybody can go and just finish everybody in in the first round with with stylish uh striking but Zabit has, has shown that he has a well-rounded game as well like it answered questions maybe that we, we we'd seen uh we'd seen him have questions asked of him before and he's answered them but not against somebody of the level of Jeremy Stevens, uh, with the power of Jeremy Stevens. Uh so uh, you gotta kinda of be careful. You're, if you're winning a fight you don't wanna risk too much. It was a it was a a mature performance I'd say from Zabit. I think it maybe if if he had been 
if that first or the third round had been the first round and it was a he probably lost that third round on my card yeah. if, if it was one all going to the latter and maybe we would have seen more from him maybe he would have put the pressure on more but he didn't need to he, he had to fight one after two rounds mm-hmm. and uh, he avoided all of Jeremy Stevens's big, big uh, uh, weapons and dominated the first two rounds and won the fight quite handily so yeah I think I think it was a really good performance and I, I think he's I'm really excited to see him against the top guys in the division yeah me too it's a little bit worrying that he coasted in the third but look the, the footwork and the brilliant mm. I think Dominic Cruz was the perfect man to have commentating in that fight you know the, his footwork in the first two rounds was just phenomenal the way he circled out and got away from Jeremy Stevens yeah was, the only thing I would say yeah. is he did look a little bit tired in, in the third round if you if he was to fight five rounds maybe maybe it would be a little bit different but maybe he wouldn't he would know that he has to go five rounds and he wouldn't put the same amount of output in or he'd, he'd train differently so uh, it was also you know a big step up from a, a guy that's been around the UFC for, for years years and years back to WEC and he's got a lot of experience and I think he has what 30 fights in in yeah, the UC and WEC yeah. mm-hmm. so you know he's an experienced guy and he knows he knows how to drag guys into deep water and he knows he'll land a big shot if you if you make a mistake. So uh, he did well, even though he was tired to avoid all that as well. But yeah, yeah that's the only thing that will maybe you think mm, does he have the cardio to to do this for for three four rounds if he needs to or for five rounds. Yeah, hundred percent. All right, let's move on to next week's card, and we we'll get to Cage Warriors then uh, in a second. This card is maybe not the the best card. In the world, a lot of names. Yeah, that, on that paper, we, it's not great at uh, all. A lot of names that we know on it. Lewis Smoke, obviously a former UFC Dublin headliner, is on it. Tim Boch against Maria Ahmedov. My boy Benil Dariush back against Drew Dober. Ben Rotwell is making his comeback here against Bial Ivanov. With Tim Means, Nico Price should be a, a pretty good fight. And uh, is Lecky Zalecki Dos Santos is back against Curtis Melinda in the welterweight division, which to me is a is a really really good fight. And in the main event, Derek Lewis versus Junior Dos Santos. This is we could just copy and paste a previous podcast here because this is just Junior Santos is probably going to win unless Derek Lewis lands a big shot, isn't it? Um, yeah, Derek Lewis uh, probably be getting beaten up for the first two to three rounds, maybe even four rounds, hands on the back, hands on the hips, and then probably win with some kind of ridiculous. No, I think I, I honestly, I think I think Junior Santos is going to win this one. I think. Junior's kind of—he looked to be a bit kind of over the hill after a couple of after the two beatings he took off uh, Velasquez, but he seems to have kind of made a resurgence since then. And I think his boxing is is still very good, and I think his all-round game has improved since the since the Cain Velasquez fight. And I think just Derek Lewis is just—you just can't keep doing this forever. Like you can't just keep landing these ridiculous. Uh, finishes when you're losing fights and you're tired and you're moaning about your back or your injuries and I just think it's I'm always reluctant to say Derek Lewis is going to lose <laughs> because he's probably going to just come come out with something ridiculous and prove you wrong but I, I do think Junior DeSantis is going to have too much from here like I think maybe late TKO or 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 decision for Junior DeSantos. Yeah, I'm look, I'm the same as you. Junior should win this fight and <laughs> it's 
Derek used those. I'm always reluctant though. I'm always reluctant, yeah. I don't know. Let, let's see what happens. It's one of those fights. Like, Derek Lewis might be the most unique fighter in MMA in that we really have no fucking notion what's going <laughs> to happen in these fights until it happens. Or, you know, he could just get dominated and then come out and, and beat a guy up or he could just knock you out in fucking 15 seconds. You know, Derek Lewis is one of those lads. I suppose that's what makes him fun. So, you know, looking forward to, to seeing that main event uh, anyway. Um... Okay, Cage Warriors here. Cage Warriors 102 uh, was in the Indigo Arena in the O2. Obviously, a lot of, of Irish names in this and a lot of, of good fights uh, as well. The main event, Chris Fields trained James Webb, won the, the formerly uh, Chris Fields held Cage Warriors middleweight title as he beat uh, Thomas Robertson in the third round versus uh, Avaya Arm Triangle Choke, I believe it was. It was, okay, and it wasn't the best fight in the world, but I think it was it was a smart three round kind of technical fight where James Webb came in and he did what he, he needed to do kept it safe on the feet landed those shots inside when he needed to get him and when it got to the ground he almost got that uh, that knee bar at, at one stage and he, you know he ended up obviously getting the, the finish in the end but you know James Webb is a good fighter isn't he and Chris Fields looks like he's a, an up and coming trainer here that, that could be doing uh, a lot of good things in, in the future doesn't he you know he's seen Gary as well and I think he's yeah. a few more lads with him as well so yeah, it seems like we've been mentioning him every week or two now. Yeah. Uh, Chris Fields' gym with Tom King, SPG Swords, and obviously uh, the Cage Warriors belt is a is a big belt on the the regional European scene, and has led to a lot of a lot of guys uh, from Ireland, England, Europe, or Ireland, UK, and Europe getting to the UFC. And okay, James Webb has only had seven fights; he's only six and one. But to have that belt already after seven fights, that Cage Warriors belt is a huge achievement, and. He he, like okay. Well, as you mentioned, it wasn't like this very exciting fight that it's going to go down for the ages. But it's it's a very impressive finish, uh, very pr- impressive performance again. Uh, I think I don't like I, I don't know who Cage Warriors actually have in that 185 pound division at the moment. Who's the, who the contenders are for him next? But if he can get to like nine or one, ten or one, or, or in the next three three or four fights, I could see him being signed to signed up for the UFC pretty soon as long as as long as he keeps winning um, sometimes it can be too quick you know we we haven't we haven't seen that much of him against top guys like it might be a case of like Paul Craig where you look really good on the the local scene and you go in there and you kind of lose a bunch of fights or kind of look unimpressive um so maybe it's best that he does kind of take it easy and not rush in there too much even though obviously the cage wears belt usually usually if you can defend that three or four times you'd probably be in the UFC so uh, I don't see much um, nobody comes to mind anyway that oh he needs to fight that guy on the European scene to prove himself but I might be missing out on not thinking of, of somebody that Cage Warriors have on the books. Or, I'm sure Ian Dean will start it out anyway. Yeah. <laughs> He's always a good Maybe check Kone yeah. or somebody like that. Mm-hmm. He could go up against... Uh, but I don't know what his situation is contra- contractually. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joy Herbert, then, who we've seen a lot of, got a good finish as well over Steve O'Keefe after Steve O'Keefe had, had a bit of uh, had a bit of dominance there early in, in that fight. But he, you know, Joy Herbert definitely came back and had a really good comeback there. Um, you know, Sam Creasy beat Andy Young there on, on the undercard. So I didn't actually see that fight, but I was talking to someone and they said it was an, a typical Andy Young fight in that. He lost, but he put on a great performance, and it was you know a lot of them had a lot of judges had a thirty twenty seven, but it, there were a lot of close rounds there. Andy Young is, Andy Young is a guy whose record isn't half as good as a, a fighter he is. He's just 
<laughs> you know, he fights the fucking best of the best and he always gives him tough fights well nearly always gives him tough fights and you know he always kind of sticks in there so another kind of one here De- Decky McLean he's a very tough guy to look impressive against as he well is, I think. Yeah, he definitely is uh, Decky McLean and then lost to Steve Amiable here on the undercard as well a lot of wrestling uh, heavy attack f- from him and then uh, Craig White lost as well uh, to Gilton Santos similar sort of thing uh, as well in that fight and Reese McKee you know, we talked about Reese a lot of the times here. Him being an Irish MMA prospect, and this was this was this was a fucking war for two rounds until he got the guillotine choke. Uh, I believe it was in in the third round. In like to me, looking at Reese at the weigh-in, he looked he looked really bad at the weigh-in. Like his face look, and he's I know he's called Skeletor and everything, so maybe it's just his face, but. You know, he's, he looked very sucked in at the weigh-in. And for him to go yeah, on and get He's a big finish, guy, like a tall guy for, for the weight as well. Maybe maybe that's part of it. Maybe, maybe like, go, okay, he made his pro debut at welterweight. That was only last last minute. But maybe his future is at welterweight. But he, I think he's kind of one of these guys that's kind of stuck in between the two divisions. I think there seems to be a lot of them. And there's been talk about 165-pound divisions in the UFC, at least for, for ages, and that hasn't materialized. But... Uh, maybe that would be a perfect weight class for him. But this fight, you know, there was a lot of back and forth, and he he toughed it out in situations and uh, got a nice choke at the end. So fair play to him. Uh, maybe it was a little bit tougher than we expected against a guy with his record. But uh, Perry Andre Gulman brought it to him, and maybe Reese McKee wasn't expecting it to be as as hard as it was, but. Mm-hmm. Maybe the Waco has something to do with it as well. Yeah, it was look, it was a really, really good fight, and credit to Perry Goodwin as well. You know, he kind of came in as as the underdog in this, and Reese McKee with uh, obviously a very good prospect now, like that. Fair play to him as well. But Reese McKee came through the fire and got a really good third round finish. You know, this it's kind of that's what Cage Warriors does to you, isn't it? You know, as, as someone said to me, they got Paddy Pim to beat twice. They're golden goose. Like they won't give you easy matchups. They will give you, you know, the toughest of the tough, yeah. and that that's kind of. Uh, and we'll get on to more uh, fair matchups a lot of the time obviously things don't always come to fruition you know late changes and stuff like that but you, you couldn't say oh they're just protecting these guys mm-hmm. nobody fights anybody in cage warriors it's definitely not the case yeah 100% and uh, you know they have a big card coming up as well next weekend Sarm Back is on that card as well who uh, we mentioned uh, B. Paddy Pimblett and uh, I think there's a big fight between Alex Lahore as well and Nicholas Dalby so that's another pretty good card coming up next week for cage warriors and they're obviously always doing great things and everything like that and then i suppose that kind of transition just on to this kind of this twitter beef that went down during the week with john kavanagh and graham boylan and and lots of different things let me just kind of give the background to it first before we kind of get into it um pt interviewed andy ryan and uh miles price as well i think and and the lads kind of were rightly kind of critical of bellator giving favoritism maybe to spg lads and Say, you know, Miles Price didn't get an interview afterwards and Paul Redmond, I think everyone agrees he should have been on the main card and this was on the times where it actually mattered that someone was on the main card because they were on um, Sky Sports uh, as well and, you know, that would have been obviously huge for him. Um, so, uh, Pizzi did that interview and he put out the tweet uh, and he was kind of, he put a tweet out about who was interviewed and who wasn't and didn't, uh, he didn't he said he wasn't there, he didn't see the Dylan Logan one and Dylan Logan said, I didn't get an interview and then I tweeted out the interview we did with dylan logan in the back and you know he said his girlfriend was pregnant and everything it was an unbelievable interview he started crying there he was very emotional it was and i just kind of said it you know it's a pity that he didn't get that interview because it was you know it was a really good interview and then john kavanagh 
uh, tweeted and said, uh, I got them to put on more fights than they normally would so as to get more Irish fighters paid. This, however, means that they need to hurry things up. Personally, I would rather more fighters get paid than to hear them talk in the cage, backstage interviews, or better anyway. And NPZ asked him if he can dictate to, to Bellator about where they put the the you know which fights they put on and things like that and then john kavanagh replied i suggest not dictate sometimes they listen sometimes not uh isn't it odd that other teams would be upset that more fighters get opportunities without me pushing for logan to be on the card for example his opponent wouldn't uh, have fought then graham boylan uh <laughs> popped in saying i suggest not dictate and put a gif and then john kavanagh said imagine a world where undercard fighters are better paid then other promotion champions fuck it i'll just make it happen uh and then he said uh, graham boylan came back in with imagine a world where all irish fighters and clubs were truly uh, fairly treated uh, and other things went in john kavanagh said i'm done imagining i just stick with those who are part uh, of he says are but it's of my team the rest can look after themselves and this is kind of where the problem starts for me uh just like i had to i don't believe in a zero-sum game so I genuinely wish the best uh, to everyone the market will figure itself out that's the beauty of free tries right my my issue with this is right. I think Andy Ryan and them lads are hundred percent right to be critical here. I think Paul Redman should have been on the main card. If you're in the co-main event of the biggest beef in this card, you should get it probably an interview as well. Uh, and I think that's they're hundred percent right to be critical of this. You know, we talked last week about the matchmaking on on this card that it was, you know, there was, and and I think that's kind of what Graham Boylan is kind of getting at as well. You know, the, there's a lot of not great matchmaking and stuff on this but the the biggest problem with this is John Kavanagh is the president of the Irish Mixed Martial Arts Association and he tweeted I'll just stick with those who are part of my team the rest can look after themselves that is a huge issue that is a huge huge issue because if you're just a coach that's grand you can say that you know if that's you know Firas Zahabi saying that against Greg Jackson grand that's no problem but when you're in that position that's and like that's a conflict of interest there as well I think when you're a coach and when you're arguing with one promoter and favouring another promoter and you know John Kavanagh called his gym straight Bellator gym as well which is you know he's obviously favouring Bellator making no mistake about it or anything and I think that's a big issue you know when you're a, a when you're favouring Bellator, when you're uh, um, the president of the Irish Mixed Martial Arts Association, and when you're training your, uh, people from your own gym, and then you're coming on Twitter, and you're saying, I'll stick with those who are part of my team, the rest can look after themselves. That, To me, that's a huge issue. Am I wrong, or, or do you think that's right? Yeah, I, th- I think, like, obviously, if, if, if it was just... You know, John Kavanagh, SPG head coach, it'd be no problem. He can say what he wants. He yeah. can he can do what he wants. But it is this kind of weird area where in the IMAA, you need obviously somebody to be the president of it. And um, you're going to have to get somebody involved in the sport and somebody's going to have a gym affiliation. You can't just really get some random person in from the outside to do it who doesn't know MMA. But maybe you could, but I don't think it would, it would work that well. I don't, I don't know who you'd get in. Uh, I don't know who could be who is unbiased like who who could you get in who could do the job who doesn't have affiliation or is a head coach of another gym or a former fighter of another of, of a a particular gym so there is that that thing where who do you who do you choose but it is john's obviously having an argument on twitter as well when you're having an argument on twitter maybe you say some things that you, you probably would, wouldn't say if you were kind of in a more formal kind of thinking a true uh situation but yeah, definitely. There's definitely a conf- uh, conflict of interest there, but there's definitely like in MMA. There's so many like the guy he's arguing with, Graham Boylan, has conflicts of interest yeah. as well. It's just the MMA is so small that 
not not a lot of people know MMA. So you, if you get somebody in from the outside to do the, for example, the president of the I, the Irish Mixed Martial Arts Association, or whatever whatever the fuck it's called, mm-hmm. um, then it's probably going to be a disaster as well because people who don't know MMA are always disastrous when they try to come into MMA. So there's going to be conflicts of interest in MMA, but it's 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 not like it's not easy to solve the problem because everybody's affiliated for years or everybody who you think or you make Andy Ryan the president of the association he has obviously biases towards his guys it's natural or Rodney Moore or any of these guys or Rodney Moore is up in, up in the north but you know what I mean any of these guys mm-hmm. uh, Chris Fields all these other guys like uh, Tony Carrick any of them they're all going to be naturally biased towards their guys that they've been working with for years and have to worry about their own things but it, it, he shouldn't have went on Twitter and said that yeah I, that's exactly it e- okay everyone's going to be biased that's a fair argument but when you're put in that situation and you're in that position like that's a very fucking important uh, position this is not just you know some some position that's kind of arbitrary and you know this is an organisation we start off this is it's very important this is the, the future of the sport and it's, it's I think it's very important for all these clubs to be united okay in inside the cage you can be <laughs> there's no united there you know whether it's Andy Ryan's gym guys fighting against John Kavanaugh's or Chris Fields or whatever no problem but outside of the cage and in the boardroom there I think you need to be very united and I don't think that helps at all you know okay there's going to be biases there but this was this was very bad I don't think he should have come out and said that and I think you know he he ended that conversation on Twitter by giving Pizzi his email address and said put interview requests in there and I hope he does talk to Pizzi after that you know I, I, I talked to him myself but I wanted seven Pizzi's thoughts here let let, uh, let him do it I, I asked John Kavanagh for an interview before the fights and I was going to put this similar things to him and he wasn't uh, he was busy at that time so hopefully we'll get to do it in the future again and you know I, I don't mind who does it as long as someone does it if you know come out and get an interview and, and clear these things up because you know John Kavanagh is he's very good you know doing interviews he's very good at talking as well and I think you know he can be a good man in that position but he needs to come out he needs to be very very clear about that position he needs to be very clear about his position as the president as the SPG Ireland leader as uh, you know Bellator whatever he's doing with Bellator you know we see him going against cage warriors here Graham Boylan a very (laughs) pro Bellator so I think he needs to answer all those questions as well and after that, we can talk more about it. But until he answers those questions, it's it's difficult to know to know what to say, or it's difficult to know his position on it. But from this position right now, and what he said on Twitter, he's put himself in a very very bad position. And you can see why people are are, are mad after that. You can see why people you know don't like him coming out and, and saying that. And you know, hundred percent. Look, he he. I'm sure he'd argue that he's doing right by his fighters, putting them with Bellator and everything like that. A hundred percent. And I've no problem with that. He's getting his fighters paid more. He's getting you know more money when they're getting more money of you know the, the percentage with the gym and everything. That's you know that's that's yeah. MMA. Like but, I wouldn't uh, like I wouldn't say that like you know oh Peter Queeley loses a decision to Miles Price so John's like says to Bellator don't interview that guy now. Yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't say it like that. Like, uh, but I, I think, think people are reaching yeah. a bit with that. But yeah, yeah. I, I, Just, I think. Uh, I saw people saying that. Yeah, I th- I think. That is a smaller issue that kind of brought up bigger issues. And I think actually John Kavanagh made it a bigger issue because, you know, Andy Ryan comes out and he does that interview, Fair Play to Pieces, check it out in the Eurobash podcast. And he, you know, he's 100% right in what he said. And it's weird that that kind of brought it out. And like he replied to my tweet about Dylan Logan and it's, he's one of his guys. Like it just seemed very odd. And maybe it's, it's something that's, it's obviously something that's been brewing for a very long time and it's it's kind of odd that John Kavanagh came out and said it at this time and said it in such a kind of an inflammatory way that I found very, very odd to be honest. But look, hopefully he'll come out and answer those questions and, and, and clear things up and 
and and uh, you know we can get further answers to this but you know at this very moment I, I would 100% understand Andy Ryan and any other gyms in Ireland who aren't too happy with John Cavanagh and I feel like it's John Cavanagh's responsibility now as the president of the Mixed Martial Arts Association leave your Bellator leave your SBG thing aside come out as the president of the Mixed Martial Arts Association now and clear things up here and, and you know see where we can go forward from here because it's a very very important time over the next couple of years and I think John Cavanagh needs if he's in that leading role he needs to take that leading role and he needs to lead I think so uh, look that's that anyway um all right Graham what, what do we what are we going to next um questions, questions. okay let's get to the the questions patreon.com forward slash severe me podcast uh it's the start of the month now as well so i need 20 dollars subscribers there can send us in your topics and we'll answer We've them only over got the ben askren rewatches going we did i got a ben askren. it's very hard to find ben askren fights actually because you know one they're not open Couldn't use enough on security YouTube. and you won fc for years yeah i found one in like <laughs> 420p and i did that so uh yeah there, there was that anyway um if your question isn't answered here, it will be answered over on Patreon on the Q&A on a Tuesday morning. So please sign up, patreon.com forward slash Severe Mail Podcast. It costs the price of a pint every month. We put out like four or five podcasts every week, breaking news podcasts, the rewatch. Uh, there'll probably be a, you know, a JDS or, a, uh, or some fight like that coming up this week on the rewatch anyway. So please sign up there if you like this podcast and want to support us, even if you want to do it for a month, just to here's a fiver, lads, for the start of the year to help us out a little bit to keep the lights on because it isn't easy. That We'd be really, really appreciated of that and we're really appreciative of all the people over there who've already signed up and you're a great bunch of lads so fair play to you right let's get to some of these questions here and we get to the rest of them obviously on the q and a sean dinney Usman versus Askren. who do you got who do you think graham sorry you broke up a little bit there a second Usman versus Askren. who do you think wins that i think Usman. i think he's much more well-rounded and i think his his uh his wrestling is is very good as well but Askren does have this kind of his nickname is Funky he does have this kind of unorthodox funky style of wrestling and like even the way he finished that okay the bulldog choke maybe you can debate about that whichever way you fall on it it's still a unorthodox un, un, unusual thing to go for in a high level high level fight but he, he's effective with these with these unorthodox techniques so he, he definitely poses problems on the ground for, for anybody but I think Usman's much more well-rounded and better on the feet and I think I think he could maybe weather the early wrestling storm and, and take over the fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark Atwell, what's next for Cody? Do you think he can come back from the three uh, back-to-back losses? He's only 27, but needs to get a win under his belt to re- rebuild self-confidence. He does I don't think mean. he's finished. It's just yeah, a stupid mistakes. It's just stupid mistakes, like biting down and on the gum shield, as they say, and, and trying, to, trying to slug it out. and It's just not working for him, and he keeps doing it. So if he sorts that out, he, you know, he was doing... The fight wasn't going all his way, all his way, but he was doing well. He was moving his head well. He was, he was fighting smart until he wasn't. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. And uh, this is a question I might answer more over on the Q and A, but uh, briefly here from Martin Nunez: uh, Is there anything in Jones's game that you see as something a future opponent uh, can exploit, like a devastating win, like Rousey had versus Home, which you know we kind of called and a lot of people um, saw beforehand? And uh, Martin says he right now he can't see it himself. Is there? A, I don't really see anything. Well, there is some some really big hitters at heavyweight, like you know mm-hmm. Francis Ngannou could land an early shot, any kind of unorthodox punch, or just land one of them bungalows, as as uh, Rogan said about uh, Brock Lesnar's punches. So there is uh, that extra risk at at heavyweight. But if you look at the style matchups of of all the people at heavyweight, I think I'd favor Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, and I was thinking about this after I saw this question coming in last night. To me, I think the way of beating John Jones is to be able to fight in an elite manner in two different manners. So I think 
because John Jones is so great, he beats you. We always say it about John Jones. He beats you where you're at your best, right? So let's say you're an extra. Takes away your yeah. He takes yeah. away your best attribute and turns it again. Not turns it against you, but tries to beat you in that. In that, and he's been very successful at doing that mm-hmm. over the years. So let's say you know you're an extremely good striker. What you need to do is take John Jones down. <laughs> or if you're an extremely good wrestler, you need to beat him in strike. Now that's easier said than done, and that's why I said you need to be elite in two different ways because you need. To not let John Jones take away your best attributes, you need to not use your best attributes. You need to use your other best attributes to beat John Jones and be elite at them. Like, that's the level we're talking about here. We're not just talking about, you know, you need to go out and produce your game plan really well. Because I kind of said that before the Alexander Gustafsson fight. And, like, I still think Gustafsson is a guy who can give Jones trouble, but he Jones is just so good at beating guys where they're brilliant. It's almost impossible to beat him. It could be age or something. And that's something with Tyron Woodley as well. Like, it could age be something that, that got Tyron Woodley last night? I think that could be a factor as well. And, like, John Jones doesn't have that age yet and doesn't have that that uh, ring corrosion, I suppose you'd call it. He hasn't been in that many wars. He hasn't fought that much because of these drugs bans and stuff like that as well. So I think Jones is going to be around for a long time. I've very, taken very a lot of damage. Like, you know, he's taken shots before and shown a decent chin. So there's no real obvious weakness there. Yeah, 100%. Uh, okay, a few over on Twitter here. Mr. Podge, was Smith stupid for not taking the DQ win? Could have lined up a million-dollar rematch. Yeah, I probably would have taken it, but that's... You have to respect that. i having a few thoughts that. afterwards, but uh, I think, uh, like, you know, it's the honourable decision. If you if you are able to continue, which he was able to continue, you, you should continue, and two points is a lot to take away, even though... Even though... Um, it didn't really make a difference in the, in the fight because it was so dominant for Jones, but normally in a fight, two... Two points would be huge, but in, the, in in Anthony Smith wasn't wasn't to know really that Herb Dean was going to take away two points. Maybe he suspected he'd take away one point, which is usually what we see, or no points at all, even in these situations. Mm-hmm. Usually like a warning. So he definitely made the honourable decision. But yeah, money wise and for his future, maybe <laughs> it would have been better to do the the less honourable thing and, and take the take the DQ. It would have been the most John Jones way of losing a t- title as well. I would have yeah. just win the title and avoid John Jones forever. Beating himself. Yeah. Uh, uh, Nick, yeah. this is an interesting question. Do you think Daniel Cormier takes the DQ win last night if that happens in his fight with Jones? I don't think so. I think he, do, he doesn't want to win like that. I think he, he's honourable as well. I think... Mm. Like a lot of people don't like Cormier for various reasons, uh, but I think being honourable is definitely not, or being dishonourable is not something that you could say about him. I think, even it, though he did kind of cheat and make weight, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I'm wrong. I think a biggest issue here is that if you could trust the judges to call it or the 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 ref or whatever the commission to call it a DQ, I think you'd even t- you think about it a bit more. But <laughs> they're probably going to call it a no contest or something like that. So they're probably not even going to give you the DQ win. Now you might get a rematch or whatever, make more money out of it. But like I think that's probably the thinking as well that 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 isn't kind of beaten into guys' heads to do that because of that that situation. So I think that's a that's an issue as well. Alright, last one here. I've been meaning to ask this about five times. I think Nate Gilday asked it a couple of weeks ago and every time I come up come up on the, the QA, I forget to ask it. It's kind of a funny one, non MMA, so if you want to tune out, tune out now and crawl ask it again. Is there any insane conspiracy theories that Graham believes in? Graham, go on, shoot away. What's your favorite conspiracy theory? Uh conspiracy theory. Um I don't know. What's my favourite conspiracy the theory? The moon landing. Do you believe in the moon landing? 
Um, I don't know. I have I have doubts about the the original moon landing. There's some funky shit going on, but I'd have to look into it more before I'd I'd say either way, definitely. But I wouldn't be surprised if if uh, the old Americans were were doing some funny stuff back then to try and outdo the Russians in terms of making it making it to the moon. Yeah. JFK always looks like an odd one, doesn't it? Because of- yeah, the JFK one though is is like you know okay. They say there was one bullet, so there definitely wasn't one bullet. So that's probably the most clear cut. I don't know what happened, but I'm pretty sure that what the official story is isn't what happened. Yeah, just looking so. at the footage. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, it's so, like yeah, a... that's probably that's probably the most clear cut one that I can think of. That's yeah. not as as it seems. I agree. Or not as it's said. Yeah, and we all, must also mention uh, Blaine O'Driscoll got a win at the weekend <laughs> from conspiracy yeah. theories to, to Blaine O'Driscoll. Blaine O'Driscoll got a good win at the weekend as well. He went over to Ukraine, yeah. I believe, and beat their champion as well. So that's, you know, a very, very good win. Yeah. Uh, Nikolai was on making his making yeah. his pro debut on that. I think it was, his, yeah, it was his pro debut on that card and he had a nice uh, armbar finish uh, after after a pretty good performance. On, on He was did well on the feet, got the takedown and was going for the choke and switched to the, the armbar and... Uh, after a bit of jostling, got got the finish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, so a good week, you know, good week all around for Irish MMA. Obviously, with, with Chris Fields' gym and and uh, the Rodney Moore's gym and John Cavanaugh's gym, all getting big wins. So fair play to all of them, and it's a good time for Irish MMA after that. You know, big belt or card uh, as well uh, next week. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Really appreciate it. Uh, enjoyed this podcast, and we'll be back next week. Send in your questions all week at Severe MMA Pod. You can send them over on Instagram as well at Severe MMA Podcast, and you can send them to my Facebook page as well if you want. There, Sean Sheehan MMA. Give that a like as well. Platinum subscribers, if if you if you don't want any more Askren fights, you Cindy Dan was a good suggestion from one of our one of our uh, can you, can one you of please our friends of the podcast. Excuse me now, how dare you? I'm throwing you off this podcast. I bring McGahan back. How dare you? How dare you? Cindy Dan review marathon. Cindy Dan All right, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we leave you here on the inspirational quote of the week. Start focusing on why you are good enough. We'll see you next Tuesday or probably Sunday. <laughs>